This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered. Here we go. It is time for another edition of Unholstered. Welcome on in. I hope you're having a fantastic weekend. My name is Kayla Blakesley. During the week, I host a radio program here in Northeast Indiana, Monday through Friday. And on the weekends, I host Unholstered alongside Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Gatina. I'm a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and welcome back to Unholstered. Yes, captain with the (laughs) Fort Wayne Police Department. I always feel like I need to remind people of that because halfway through the show, people are always like, oh, who's that guest you had on? Who was that female on (laughs) Unholstered? It's always Sophia. It's always been Sophia. Uh, She is a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. We are so lucky to have her. This show is all all about sharing and telling stories that just don't get told or talked about or discussed when it comes to law enforcement. And that statement could not be more true when it comes to what we're talking about today. Uh, For folks who don't live in Indiana, um, they might not even have heard this story, but I still think it applies to every town, every city across the country. Here in Indiana, there's been a lot of chatter lately about Indianapolis's gun control ordinance uh, or a gun control ordinance being pushed by Indy's mayor right now. And to to sum it up for folks who haven't heard of this, it would raise the legal age to purchase a firearm in Marion County, which is where Indianapolis is is located, to 21. It would ban semi-automatic assault weapons. It would roll back permitless carry and prohibit the concealed carry of a gun. I think there's a lot to get into, Sophia, here when it comes to specifically this ordinance first and foremost from a from a law enforcement perspective i'm sure you know folks on the force down there in indy what is the police perspective of this gun ordinance i mean i hear what the chief is saying um what is the chief saying he's saying he's he's backing this 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 was a kind of a culmination between the police chief i don't know who else involved in the police department but i've saw i've seen quotes from him saying that this is the way um that it's going um because this is what the people want and this will help them then battle crime along with Chief with Mayor Hogsett. So what people understand, though, the chief is an appointment by the mayor. So so it's not really a surprise. It's not a surprise yeah. um, that they would they would be hand in hand. Not wrong, not right. You know, but, you know, this commitment to being on the same team. Um, obviously, they are as he's an appointed position, not elected. Um, but it's Proposition 150, Proposal 156, um, and it went through, it already passed mm-hmm. City Council, so they voted on it, and it was along party lines, so it was, they have a Democratic majority on their City Council, and it did pass. But what's what's interesting is that um, it's all a moot point. Mm-hmm. It's all for nothing. It's all for nothing, and I, I, I don't understand, I, there's a lot of issues going on in Indianapolis that need addressed by the City Council. I can't imagine spending as much time as was spent on this knowing that this isn't going anywhere. It can't go anywhere. There's, yeah, let's there's measures in law. place that prevent it from going anywhere. Yeah. Can you explain that, what our state law says about <clears throat> municipalities and towns and what have you trying to enact their own gun law, Sophia? Well, which we know the mayor knows this. <laughs> we know that. Yeah, so Indiana has a preemption law, which prevents local municipalities from regulating virtually anything surrounding guns. So once that state law passed for per- permitless carry... A constitutional carry, if you will, it, it kind of then blocked any city from making a tighter ordinance on top of what is already legally allowable under the constitutional carry law. So, so for me, it's like okay, this was just 
a waste of time. <laughs> well, then, so this is what I really kind of wanted to get into to with you is then, I, to me, I guess I'm surprised to hear the chief of police. I am and I'm not the, the, the chief down there getting on board with this because he's got to be frustrated. I mean, you just said it. Crime is pretty rampant right now in Indy. There's... It's there's, horrible. It's, there's, a, it's a, there's a problem, right? It's so a just huge put it problem. politely. Yes. And even I know he knows. I get that they're probably on the same team here. Obviously, the chief is appointed by the mayor. But I just feel like in to, in, to some degree, there's bigger fish to fry. And you're not going to be able to fry this fish this way anyway. If I'm an officer down there, I'm, I'm frustrated with my chief for even wasting the time to do this. Yeah. It kind of it, it saddens me, though, that that we're not really talking about the real reasons why these things are occurring. All the crime, you mean? The crime. Okay, let's talk about it then. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where the police can only do so much. Mm-hmm. And I follow Indianapolis Metro on social media. I, I see, they have each each sector has its own like social media page and I follow them all. They're doing the work. They're catching the criminals, they're catching the drugs, they're they're making those arrests, but what happens? Mm, I know where you're going. After now. the arrest. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, not a whole lot, because uh, I recently went to a conference for a state conference with several organizations or municipalities throughout the state represented. And the frustration, the overall frustration that was shown around that suburb area of Indianapolis was incredible. They're so frustrated because of the lack of prosecution Mm -hmm. of people. And then the crime is starting to bleed over into these surrounding suburb areas, these municipalities around Indianapolis. And they're seeing a heightened um, increase of, of theft, of, of shootings, of disturbances, of party arms. I mean, all that stuff. And, and they said it pretty much flat out. They're not prosecuting people. Wow. For the, when they get arrested. They're not holding them. They're not. They're letting repeat offenders go. They're not hammering them and we've seen what happens in other cities other larger municipalities that do the same thing it's it's lawlessness Mm -hmm. and that's the problem you're the message you're sending is that we're not for public safety we're not for your safety and it frustrates law-abiding citizens and the police i hate to get political but i feel like this is this kind of does and you don't have to get political (laughs) sophia but to me when when i I mean, like you just said it, we're hearing about this lawlessness in a lot of bigger cities all across the country right now. So to me, when I hear about the chief doing this and the mayor doing like, oh, look, we're going to try. We're going to try to do something about all this crime because your average standard Hoosier probably doesn't even know about our state laws that, oh, by the way, municipalities, uh, municipalities and towns can't really enact their own gun laws. They probably don't know that. So on the surface level, it looks like they're trying to do something right about right. all this crime. When in all reality, they're just letting crime run rampant. And I feel like we are seeing that in a lot of Democratic run cities right now across the country because we don't want to we don't want to offend anybody. We, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings by locking them up or, you know, is that and again, I'm not asking you to get political, but am I way off base with immediately thinking that if I'm just going on a purely statistical and factual basis, I, I would have to say you're correct. 
Um, most of the times when, when there's low prosecution for crimes, you'll see a higher increase in crimes because people know they can get away with it. Right. And they do. And then it just increases the burden on people who are actually law-abiding citizens or people who have businesses or victims of these people. And then and then they start taking matters into their own hands. The vigilante we, arises. Seen, we've yeah. seen that, right? We've seen at the 7-Eleven where the two clerks were beating the gentleman that was just took a garbage can, was just... Yeah. pouring cigarettes into to steal them they they beat him with a mop handle or something and now they got charged so and we so the guys that were beating they, him with yes, the mop, i didn't know they that got they got charged, charged yeah wow and then you know we saw on the subway when this gentleman with mental illness had been had been repeatedly arrested and and then he ends up dead at the hands of a citizen who was just trying to keep everybody on this on the what appears to be just trying to keep everyone on the train safe from this this gentleman and he ends up choking him and the man dies. So we, we see those kinds of things happening because it feels like there's just lawlessness all around and the police don't care. But at the same time, the police are strapped um, in some of these cities. And I'm glad that that's not how we operate here. I think we have a good, for the most part, I mean, there's always holes here and there. It can't be perfect all the time, but right. I think we have a good prosecutorial system here um, and we do our best to control that. But again, it, I, I will firm, I firm a firm believer in our community relations that we do here with the, with the public. And I think we've really gotten, turned the tide and we really have that public trust that is so important to your police department. And moving forward and people helping with crimes and calling in and giving us tips and being good witnesses when we need them to be. And, you know, our solvability on some of these homicides is is really up there in the, like the 70 high 70s to 80 percentiles when you're talking about indianapolis and the crime uh, bleeding out of the city i'm i'm gonna say like places like carmel fishers right yes. things like that yeah so these these suburb towns yes. cities if you will just for folks who aren't familiar with the area but who then addresses that increase in crime there obviously the intro uh the indy metro police right do you start to get into different jurisdiction no, yeah. So they all have different police departments. So Carmel has its own police department. Fishers has its own police department. And they're department. probably not nearly as large or quite as equipped. They perhaps, are not. Right? Um, they're not as large. So yes, they're not. I don't. Well, I won't say they're not equipped to handle this, but at at the magnitude it's happening, it doesn't appear so because they seemed very frustrated um, at this conference. So you know, they they certainly don't have as many kind of you probably units or the number of units that Indianapolis may have in mm -hmm. terms of vice narcotics, uh, detective bureau, auto theft, those kinds of things. Uh, homicide, I'm sure they have because Carmel doesn't see a bunch of homicides. They just don't. Fishers doesn't see a bunch mm -hmm. of homicides. Indianapolis is overwhelmed. I think they're over like 100 last year, 120 or so homicides. Um, so it's, it's a huge increase and they've been in a steady increase for several years now. Um, and, and if anyone hasn't been to Indianapolis, so you know, downtown still a lot of it's boarded up. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was down there. I, I go down there often. I have friends down there. And you walk down the street, downtown Indy, and all you smell is weed, weed. everywhere. Yep, everywhere. I knew, I knew you were going to say that, too. It, uh, for me, I, I just don't like the smell. I don't either. I just don't like it. And I, I'm always, like, petrified. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to fail my drug test. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, like, I know I won't. Breathing it in. Yeah, hand, breathing it yeah. in. Uh, that's why I won't go to, I, even though I love music of some musicians, I won't go to concerts because I know that that's just the atmosphere. Yeah, and I, yeah. just, I just don't want to put myself in that situation. So how, not only, I mean, I was frustrated going into this topic of conversation, but I'm even more frustrated now. And I can't imagine the folks, particularly in those surrounding burbs, 
um, with this crime bleeding out. And we essentially kind of know a portion of the problem or a big portion of the problem is we're not prosecuting people. So how is it, Sophia, that we do enact change to prosecute people? I mean, what does that look like? Can the mayor do that? Does the mayor have that power? Does that need to come from the governor? Um, How do you make enough noise for that to actually happen and, and put a end to some of the lawlessness? Well, it comes down to voting because the prosecutors in each county are vote, are voted in. So this is this is in the hands of the people. And if if the head prosecutor is not doing what the people want, then they have the right to go to the ballot box and make sure that they know that they're not doing the job that they want them to do. You hear that, Marion County? You need to vote loud and clear. <laughs> uh, and, and that's just, you know, but that's just part of that whole civil civil conversation that we had a, I a couple, think, of weeks a couple ago. shows ago where we talked about how important local elections are to where you live. And are we seeing that here in Indianapolis and other municipalities throughout Indiana, absolutely. Um, so those local elections are vitally important to your quality of life mm-hmm. daily. We can talk all day long about national elections, and, and yes, they have big impacts, but the local elections are where it's at. They, they have impacts on your everyday life. Everyday life, every day, every minute of the day. Yeah. So, and you know, how funding for police departments, fire departments, you know, the health department, all these things are, are made up by local elections. Walk down this road with me for just just a moment, Sophia. Let's pretend um, this gun ordinance could pass. Let's just take our state laws off the books for a hot second here. And this, this gun control ordinance passes in Indianapolis. Would it have an impact on curbing crime? I don't believe it would. I, the criminals are still going to do their crime. Yeah. Um, they're not, they're not going to stop. What, what stops them is putting them behind bars. Mm-hmm. That's what stops them. Or other people shooting them dead because that's into that we unfortunately, you know, um, that's what happens. You know, well, I mean, there was just the oh. news story uh, a couple of days ago out of Louisiana. Did you hear about these? There's a, a, a thief going around robbing cab drivers. So what cab drivers do? They start to arm themselves. Yeah. He, and he was holding. I mean, this this particular thief also was holding them up. So, you know, pointing point a gun at him. Give me everything you got. Right. So cab drivers started to arm themselves, and sure enough, wouldn't you know it, this particular dude walked up on this cab, tried to rob him at gunpoint, and the cab driver pulled out his own firearm and ended up killing the guy, shot him three times. Yeah. Right? Because you feel like, because he was already wanted on for two other incidents involving theft. So right. this, in that particular state, um, that was a justified homicide in that situation but you're right i mean we're seeing it i mean that that story just happened and i'm sure if i looked up some right now we could pull out oh, another, all over all over yeah hundreds yeah. of those kinds of situations across the state should we be concerned then of our state laws changing to where all of a sudden municipalities towns cities what what have you can pass um ordinances about guns i mean could Potentially that could happen, right? Our state laws change? Um, if, if the preemptive law in Indiana changed, it could. Um, but I don't think it would unless, you know, the whole political landscape changed in Indiana. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you see, like, what it is in oh, Illinois. So Chicago has something similar to what's Indianapolis is trying to enact only they don't have a preemptive law in in Illinois apparently because Chicago is allowed to restrict gun rights in its city where the state doesn't have those restrictions mm-hmm. right so there's a total ban 
quote unquote ban supposedly in Chicago uh, of firearms. Doing a lot of good, huh? But there's, yeah. <laughs> so you can see what those do. So mm-hmm. criminals don't obey laws. Right. The law abiding citizens obey laws. So will it have an effect? Probably not. They're, you know, it's, these are criminals doing these criminal actions. And that's where we need to focus our attention yeah. is what are we doing with the criminals? Can they be rehabilitated? Um, you know, are we, are we making our point that this is not, this behavior is not acceptable in a reasonable society? Um, we, we have to be able to make that point. And if we can't, then they belong behind bars. That's just my personal opinion. In, we can work on rehabilitation behind bars, but at the same time, people have to want to be rehabilitated. They have to want to to make a change. And if they don't, then we need to protect society from those who don't want to make that change. When it comes to prosecuting people here in Allen County, I mean, you kind of said you don't feel like we have the same problems that Indy has. We are also smaller here in Fort Wayne yes. and Allen County, so there is that. But when it comes to actually putting people behind bars in Allen County, I mean, where where's our grade rating on that, you know? Well, you know, we can only do so much. We mm-hmm. only have enough jail space, and there's, you know, lawsuits on, Going on with that, our jail yeah, right now. Yeah, on our jail. We're talking about building new jails. Mm-hmm. County councils kind of tamp that down, not funding that. So now, what do we do? We have we have this judge's, you know, order that we can only house so many people. So we can't incarcerate everyone. Just can't do it. Um, there's not enough. I know people get really upset when they see plea bargains being made and all this kind of stuff. They get really upset, but. At the same time, we can, there's not enough judges and prosecutors to prosecute every crime that occurs in, in Allen County. There just there just isn't. That's some good perspective because I'm one of those people who tends to get really yeah frustrated. I feel like they come across the desk all the time, and I'm like, "What? Are you kidding me?" Uh, but that's really yeah. there's not good enough court dates. Yeah, you know, there's not enough court time because some of these trials take days. Mm-hmm. So now you're pushing other things back, and it's always frustrating as an officer because we get these subpoenas. When I was have just going to gonna say that it's probably just equally as frustrating for you guys. Yeah, well, so it's frustrating when 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 they make a deal and we don't agree with it. But I but I get both sides of it because you know you can't incarcerate the whole county. <laughs> you right. can't. You can't do that. But at the same time, you have to send a message. So how do you do that? It's a balancing act. And I know some people are just, I mean, I get upset with certain crimes that aren't punished harshly. Anything involving children um, mm-hmm. or the elderly, I think should be punished, you know, three times. Yeah, to the <laughs> fullest extent. Hard. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, we do what we can with, with the resources we have available. And I think we do a pretty good job. It's not perfect. Nothing ever is. Um, but if you are upset with the system, then go get a law degree, work with the prosecutor's office. Right. They're probably always do hiring. Do something about it, yeah. Yeah, do something about it. Use this angst you have to go back to college and get your law degree and then go work. Um, be a police officer if you're tired and upset about things that are going on or you don't think the department's representative of the community, then be the part of that change that you want to see. Instead of part of the problem. Well, yeah, instead of just carping about it. We're complaining about the problem, yeah. From the cheap seats. So get down, get your face dirty. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. When it comes back to this indie gun ordinance, do you think at the end of the day uh, with the chief and with the mayor, this was just a direct response to constitutional carry being passed in Indiana? Like a, you know, ha, 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 we're going to try and beat our chests now against constitutional carry? I don't think so. And and maybe I'm wrong. I really, I truly believe that the chief of police is concerned about the violence. But at the same time, it's some things when we don't address the root 
causes of the violence, I think we do a disservice to everyone, including mm-hmm. ourselves as police officers, because we're never going to lower anything by making more laws because criminals don't obey the laws. Mm-hmm. So we have to start reaching out at the root causes. And this is not a police issue. The root causes aren't police issues. Right. We just have to deal with the aftermath of these societal, societal hey, your issues. Your job is just to enforce the laws. Yeah, it, but people put the onus on us to to stop it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I get it to a point, but at the same time, we have to, as a society, start really addressing and having conversations over what is the root problem that we're seeing that are leading all these predominantly young men and, and young women, because women are now starting to be more violent and, and being arrested for these shootings and stuff like that, but predominantly male driven. And what are the root causes for this? Why is there so much anger and angst um, um, among this these group of young of young men? When it comes to crime in Fort Wayne specifically, what what's usually the root cause or what, what kind of crime are we seeing predominantly in Fort Wayne? So predominantly in Fort Wayne, we don't see a lot of random violence like a robbery gone wrong it happens but not very often and total tragedy when that happens a lot of the things we do see though are domestic related Mm. so there's relationships uh, that are abusive manipulative emotionally and physically leads to someone leaving and the most dangerous time for a for a domestic victim to leave is is when they leave um, when they, they break free of their abuser, that is the most dangerous and critical time for them. So that's a lot of times when we see the violence then reach out to that victim. And we, we have a lot. A lot of them this year have been domestic related. What about gangs? Um, we do have um, gang issues here. Um, and predominantly those homicides uh, are between rival members of those gangs, retaliations, those kinds of things and a lot of it revolves around the drug industry Mm -hmm. so drug gang related uh, beefs over those kinds of things or maybe some deals that have gone bad Um, but usually drugs and domestics lead our reasonings for homicides here in Fort Wayne. I guess I'm, you know, I'm listening to you talk, Sophia, and I, I'm, as always, I'm so thankful that I live in Fort Wayne after the conversations that that we always have here on Unholstered. But you know, I'm going back to to Indianapolis and talking about this this indie gun ordinance. I guess I'm greatly frustrated, and you know what? I can chalk this clear all the way to D.C. as well, too, in terms of frustrated, uh, being frustrated. You know, when we we have these these votes on pieces of legislation that we know aren't going to go through, that we know aren't going to do anything. They're just votes for show. They're just votes to see where the numbers fall and whose side you're on, right? But I'm even more frustrated when it's occurring on a local level like it just did in Indianapolis between the mayor and between the police chief since since they simply knew this couldn't go anywhere. I mean, what, what did the attorney general say about this? Um, well, they struck it down in, on July 13th. Which isn't surprising. No, it's not. They they deem that Proposal 156 unconstitutional based on the preemptive laws that we have here. You just cannot circumvent, you know, gun rights of citizens in this state. Um, and they knew that going in. So, yeah, to me, it just it's, seems it's like a waste of time. People know where people stand. You don't need to vote on right. an ordinance to know where you stand. I, pe- Politicians are vocal well, about Well, you said it from the get-go. This was a party-line vote. It was we a knew party how Republicans vote. would vote on it. We knew how Democrats would vote on yeah, it. Yeah, and I think they're, I think they're, you know, because the state house is in Indianapolis, I think they maybe thought that the 
the state legislatures would maybe be more on their side because they have mm. to live in the Indianapolis area while they're doing their their stuff. But you know, I don't think working. you're going to yeah. change people's thoughts on this about gun rights and gun laws. Um, and I, I don't know where this magical age of 21 comes from, honestly, um, as if, you know, I grew up so much between 18 and 21. I, I don't think I don't know I where that magical age comes much. from either. I never under, have understood it. I, yeah, I, you know, but we're, but we're able to vote at 18, 18. but I can't carry a gun. Right. That, well, just same like I can, I can join the military. Be sent, I, say I can be sent yeah. off to Afghanistan yeah, at 18. But I can't yeah. carry a gun in my own country I, at 18. Yeah, it seems a little odd. Um, this is an arbitrary number that we sim- simply just are grown-ups at 21. Um, I mean, I see people that are grown-ups at 40. Right. <laughs> so um, That maybe shouldn't be carrying a gun either. Yeah, 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 exactly. And probably aren't able to under the constitutional carry stuff. But <laughs> if they, they <laughs> that's know. for another day. Yeah, if they know if you missed that episode, <laughs> um, you can download it anywhere you download Unholstered. Well, Sophia, I think at the end of the day, I mean, you said it, it's a moot point. It's much ado about nothing. But I think it was still really important to talk about that for 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 reasons being, a let's talk about the real problem that we we are not prosecuting people. I mean that's really the the issue. And b I think it's it, it's important for people to have just this preemptive law on their radar, right? Let's say it would happen to pop up about it being overturned. I don't know something crazy, right? Let's right. Say, I just think it's important that people are still in the know and aware that this is something Indianapolis is tiptoeing into or is looking at. And I'm sure Indy's probably not the only city. Um, perhaps pursuing some kind of ordinance as well. Yeah, Gun ordinance. And it's important that you, that our listeners understand, like, because no one probably even knew about this preemptive law. <laughs> you probably just didn't know um, as a normal everyday citizen, right. unless you're really involved in this whole gun right, would you? talk right. that's been going on. You know, I think it's important that we talk about these things, that people are aware and keep people informed, because that's the whole basis of the sh- basis of the show. Amen, keep sister. people informed about things that are potential legal issues for not only police officers, but for people within our state. Well, well people might not realize they vote in their prosecutors either. True. Until right not. now. If you're not in aware of your civil. <laughs> um, A lot of people aren't these days, Sophia. I know, and it's sad. It saddens me, honestly, it does. Um, because we see, you know, votes come in and they're the lowest ever. But then yeah. we're so complaining about what's going on. But well, it's city council and county council. So, well, did you vote? Yeah, no. I do that all the time. Yeah. Well, did you vote? Yeah, yeah. and people yeah. are like, well, no, I, I'm, I'm dis- disengaged. I'm disillusioned. I'm like, yeah, but mm-hmm. that doesn't give you a right to not vote. Exactly. And that's why we are where we are. If so, you didn't vote, you get, don't get to complain. That's, that's right. my my yes. rule. Yes. If you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, which Sophia and I have talked a lot about uh, local elections, as she mentioned, we've also talked a lot about firearms, uh, particularly constitutional carry here in Indiana. You can get all of those previous episodes anywhere you download a podcast. Just search for Unholstered. Your town your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.